I tell you, it's good to see a great crowd tonight because uh, uh, you're going to, we're setting up, we're setting up Sunday morning tonight. So those that come Sunday morning and are not here tonight, they're going to miss out. So thank God you're here tonight. Amen. Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter number eight, Deuteronomy chapter number eight. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to study the whole chapter. I, I started, I started, we, we, I was with, uh, my hunting partner last night and we were talking about idolatry, idolatry and how, you know, a lot of people have this misconception that, that idolatry is you, you got a little, you got a little fat statue and you're burning candles to it or you, you got a cow or snake or like, like is in many of your third world countries or, or back in the day. But you know, we can have, uh, uh, idolatry is alive and well in America. He says, have no other gods before me. And, and, and so, uh, Lord's willing, I, I started there. I, I really did. I wanted to deal with that tonight and talk about that tonight because I, I thought about it all night last night. I was laying in bed and all these thoughts and verses was going through my head. I woke up thinking about this morning and, and I had probably two or three pages of verses. Uh, just as, just, just, uh, uh, just kind of kick off the study, but it led me, it led me to this chapter. And, uh, and as I begin to dig and, and really study this chapter, uh, God has just given me something for us tonight that possibly will lead into Sunday on, on really, this sums up everything. This chapter sums up everything. Everything that we're seeing in our nation today, uh, this sums up what God wants for his people. It sums up our responsibility and what will happen if we follow the Lord and what will happen if we don't follow the Lord. And, uh, I mean, this is, this is everything in a nutshell here in this chapter. So, uh, with that being said, we're going to go and we're going to just take a few verses, uh, at a time and go through it with our outline and just see what God has for us tonight. All right. So are you excited to study tonight? Well, I'm excited to be here. I, I really believe I've got what God wants us to have. So, so let's, let's do this. Let's read in, in, in chapter eight in verse number one. If you found your spot, say amen. He <clears throat> says, all the commandments, which I command thee this day, shall ye observe to do that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land, which the Lord swear unto your fathers. And thou shalt uh oh, come on. Thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years, and thou shalt also consider. In other words, and also think about this right here, he said. In thine heart, that is man chasteneth his son, that means a whooping, means correcting, it means discipline, the Lord, uh, uh, let me back up. So the Lord God chasteneth thee. Therefore, therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks, of waters, of fountains and depths that spring out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Now let's all read this. Let's all read this. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments, his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest when, keep reading, lest when thou hast eaten and art full 
and has built goodly houses and dwell therein. Keep reading. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied. Keep reading. Then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt, whom the house of bondage. Let's read verse 14 again. Then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word. It is so encouraging. It is so enlightening. Lord, it it, it illuminates truth to our minds and helps us see what we need to see. Helps us know what we need to know. Lord, I pray right now, you know how much I need you. You know how desperately I need the unction of the Holy Spirit in this moment. I pray that you will guide every single word that's said, every single thing that's done tonight. May it bring glory and honor to you. Lord, I pray that you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit. Control my thoughts. Control my mind. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And don't let me forget anything I should. And God will will be careful. We'll be careful to give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor. And God, we love you and we worship you. We adore you. We appreciate you. We reverence you and we honor you tonight. In Jesus name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. When we do a DBS, when we do a DBS, which means Discovery Bible Study, uh, we read a chapter over and over and over several times, and then we ask questions about what we just read. Uh, for instance, we, we read a verse two or three times, and then we'll say, what captured your attention in this chapter? In other words, what stood out to you as you were reading it? Sometimes it's one word. Sometimes it's a solid verse. Sometimes it's just a, 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 a thought process that's happening or taking place in this particular verse. But, but then you say, what does this chapter say about man? Or you say, what does this chapter say about God? Is there a sin to avoid? Is there a principle to obey? Are y'all with me? Say amen. Well, as I was reading these verses, as I was reading these verses over and over, I, there was a couple of things that stood out to me. And so I'm going to take two points. Uh, there's a lot of subs, but there's two points here. Uh, one is we're going to, we're going to study God and we're going to see what stands out in this chapter about God. And then the second point is what stands out about man? What stands out about man? So we're going to learn about God tonight and then we're going to learn about man tonight. How many of y'all know God has a plan for man? And so as we read and as we study and you say, what, what do you mean this, this is going to say a lot about our country right now? It's going to say a lot about our country right now. And so let's go back to verse number one, verse number one, uh, just as a way of introduction, this is Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means second law or second reading of the law. If you will remember when God brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt, he brought them out of bondage, delivered them by the blood. Say amen. He come, they, they brought, they came out of Egypt and they come to Sinai, Mount Sinai. And that is where God gave them the law. God gave them the instructions on how to live and what to do, how to be right with God and how to have a relationship with God, how to be a called out people, how to be God's people, how they should live, how they should work, how they should dress, how they should operate, how they should worship, in which way they should worship. Everything God wanted them to know, he gave them the law. He gave them his word. He gave them holy scriptures. And most of you remember that when they got to the promised land, instead of going into the promised land and taking what God had promised them and by faith believing that God would do what he said he would do, they had unbelief and they had a lack of faith. And because of their unbelief, God said, I'm not going to allow you to go in and what I promised you. And they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Are we all together? Say amen. 40 years until that generation dies. All the adults, 
all the adults from adult age all the way up that did not go in and would not and, and lived in unbelief, they died in the wilderness except Joshua and Caleb because they were wanting to go. They had belief. They had faith. And so now after 40 years, we have a whole new generation. We have a whole new generation of Israelites and it's time to go into the promised land. Well, Deuteronomy is God giving them a second go around, a second reading of the law. Somebody, somebody t- read the title of your lesson today. Say it again. And you know what God is saying? Let's try this again. The first crowd failed. The first crowd was in unbelief and the first crowd died off and was not allowed to go in. So let's try this again. Now, before they went in, before they went in, God had to remind them again what he told them the first time. God had to remind them again what was going to be, uh, uh, what was going to be conducive to their success. What was going to be conducive to them being able to, to have all of God's blessings. So if that makes sense, say amen. That's what we're reading right now. The second go around, the second reading of the law, God is telling them one more time what they need to hear if they expect to have success in life. If that makes sense, say amen. Okay, chapter 8, verse 1. What's the first word? Is that, a, is that some? A few? What does it say? All. 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 How, many, how many commands in God's word does he expect us to follow? All of them. All of them. Now, watch this. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your father. So the first thing I want to show you about God is, first of all, A, if you're taking notes, write this down. I want you to see his principles. Write that word down. His principles. He says, all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do. Now, what are we talking about here? What are we talking about here? These are all the do's and don'ts. All right, say that with me. These are all the. Now, if you want to get King James, these are the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. Are y'all with me? Say amen. These are all the things I want you to do. And these are all the things I forbid you to do. These are the things that you need to avoid. These are the things you need to do. And, and, and we look at it and, and, and we think these are principles and we don't look at it as principles though. Mankind, humanity looks at it as, as this is God's restrictive mentality, not wanting us to enjoy our life. You can't do this and you can't do that. You don't need to go there and you don't need to go here. You can't have this and you can't have that. Are y'all with me? But, but here's, we're looking at it all wrong. We're, we're looking at it completely, completely wrong. We have principles to live by. Anybody, anybody, anybody buy a car lately? Anybody buy a car lately? Has anybody ever seen a car? Okay. If you, if you open the glove box of that car, what's normally in that glove box? Say it again. An owner's manual. An owner's manual has come from somebody who was the designer of the car you're driving and they know every detail about the car you're driving, everything that will make it work, everything that will make it stop, everything for the best well-being, how to get the best goodie out of that car is in that book. They have given you principles and things to live by to get the best out of that vehicle you bought. Do you realize that God's word, that the scriptures, that God's law is just principles that God has given you so you can get the best of the best out of the life that he has given you to live? If there is a thou shalt not, it's because it's harmful to you. 
If there is a thou shalt, it means it is a blessing to you and it'll bring benefit to you and it'll bring help to you. But no, we don't see it that way. We see the rules and we see the regulations and we look at the law as there's a, there's some higher power in heaven that doesn't want us to enjoy life. That is the lie that Satan told Eve in the garden. God said, don't eat of that fruit. Don't eat of that fruit. All right. He made a law. Thou shalt not. And there was only one. And Satan convinced Eve that God was holding out on her. God just doesn't want you to have fun. God just doesn't want you to be as smart as he is. God doesn't want you to be a God like he is. And it was a principle to keep her safe. To keep her innocent. To keep her happy, fulfilled, and satisfied. Are y'all with me? Now we know what happened. Can you imagine if she would have believed God in the principle that he gave her? We wouldn't be in the mess we're in now. So God says, here's what I need you to do. I'm going to give you some principles. I'm going to give you some principles to live by. Here's a better illustration. There were times, there were times my father, we had a, we had a long, we had a long concrete driveway that went into, went into our house and it was kind of at a slope, but at the end of the slope was a hard road. And there was, there was, uh, concrete breaks that were cut into that concrete for cracking purposes. And the third break was our line. We were not allowed to go past that third break with our bicycles because it was too close to the Now, now, all we could see was there was that much more concrete we wasn't able to utilize with our bicycle. And all we could see as an immature child is that there is somebody that just doesn't want us to enjoy ourselves. But what we, what we didn't know is he knew that there were maniacs that drove on that road that would not stop for a little kid or would not be looking for a little kid. And he put a principle in our life to keep us healthy, keep us safe and to protect us. I need a witness. Every single law God gave was either for their benefit or to keep them safe and keep them happy and fulfilled. But Satan will come. God says, God says, do not have sex till you get married. That's a thou shalt not. But Satan has convinced this world and culture and this world has convinced you. He's just, you're just a prude. There's nothing wrong with it. It's okay. Yet we have single mothers like a plague that are struggling in poverty right now because of that. Sexually transmitted diseases. We have, we have multiple divorces because things have not happened. It's just caused one thing after another. We bring this baggage into this relationship and it just destroys. And here we go. When God says, no, you're going to be better off if you, you, you see how this works. So God says, listen, let's try this again. I'm going to give you some principles to live by. Does this make sense? Okay. Now watch. Because God gave his principle, look at this. We see his principles, then we see his plan. We see his plan. This is great. Watch this, watch this. Look at verse one. He says, all the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye, what? Observe Observe to do. And then it says, that, that. Now watch. He says, I'm giving you these principles to live by that, in other words, so this right here can happen. Watch that ye may live. I don't want you to die. I want you to live. He came that we may have life and have it more. God doesn't, God doesn't want us not to live. He wants us to live. He wants us to live a vibrant life. He wants us to live an enjoyable life. He wants us to live. Are y'all with me? He says, I'm giving you these principles. I'm giving you these principles so you can live. Then he says this. Not only live, I want you to multiply. Multiply. That means you're being blessed. But I was as happy as a man with his quiver is full. Unless it's full of women. Like mine. 
And you're broke all the time, amen? <laughs> Listen, but seriously, I'm giving you these principles because I got a plan for you. I want you to live and, and then he says this, and possess the land. Possess the land. What land? That great land, the promised land. In other words, God's got a plan for you to prosper. God has a plan. Now, this is so important. God has a plan for you to get what he's promised to you. Y'all see that? He said, I'm giving you these principles. They're going to seem a little restrictive. And they're going to seem a little conservative. But the reason I'm giving you this is because it will be conducive to you living, multiplying, and possessing the promise that I'm giving you. It's good, isn't it? It's going to get better. God's got a plan. God wants to bless you. God wants you to prosper. Now I'm not, I, I, I am, I am absolutely no prosperity preacher whatsoever. I don't believe when you pray, give $50 and you're going to get a Mercedes Benz in your garage next week. I'm not, that is totally not me, but I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. God has got an awesome plan for your life. God has got a plan for your life, but it's going to come and it's going to be fulfilled by following the principles that he's given you in his word. Now watch this. Watch this. We see, we see his principles. We see his plan. Look, 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 look. I, I skipped the verse. Let me go back to the verse. Proverbs 13, 13. We're talking about God's principles. Proverbs 13, 13. Whoso despiseth the word, that's the law, that's the scriptures, that's in principles, that's in rules and regulations. Whoso despiseth the word shall be what? Destroyed. But he that feareth, and by the way, the destroying, the destroying here is not punishment because you disobeyed it. It is the consequences. Does that make sense? For instance, for instance, if I put my hand here and I had a hammer, kabam! Is the pain going to be sent by God because of my foolishness? No. The pain is going to come from my stupidity. It's the consequences of a bad decision. And what he is trying to say here in Proverbs, he said, if you despise the principles God's given you, if you despise the law and the rules that he's given you to live your life by, it's going to destroy you. Because disobedience to God is sin. And the wages of sin is, it always brings death. Sin always, disobedience always brings destruction. Amen. Whoso despiseth the word shall be, but he that feareth the commandment shall be what? Watch this now. Everybody read it with me. The law of the wise is a fountain of, watch this now. Watch what it'll do. Watch what them principles will help you do. To I'm giving you these principles so that you can live. If you'll follow them, you'll live. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts, the word thoughts there in Hebrew is the word intentions, plans, purpose. God is saying, I've got some intentions for you. I've got plans and purposes for you. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. The word expected end there, that phrase means future. God wants to give you a future. God wants to give you hope. In other words, if you say, Lord, what are you thinking? Well, I, I think I got a plan for you. That's what that means. I, I think I've got, I've got purpose for you. I've got good. What is that purpose? Peace? A future? Hope? Are y'all with me? Now watch, now watch. Let's look at his pattern. Let's look at his pattern. Now we're still talking about God. We see his principles in verse one. Can y'all see that? Okay, we see his, we see his plan in the second part of verse one, right? 
He wants us to live. He wants us to multiply. He wants us to possess. He wants us to have his promise. Right? Now watch this. Oh boy. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and excuse me, and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these 40 years. Verse five, thou shalt also consider. In other words, let me give you something else to think about. Consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Now I want you to, I want you to write this down. In verse one, we see his principles. Verses two through five, we see his, or actually the second part of verse one, we see his plan. Verses two through five, we see his pattern. God's pattern of operation. Now, now, now watch this. There's three things we see. There's three things that we see. Look in verse number two. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to say it with me and to the word prove means test. It means test. God tested you. God tested you. So how did he test him? He took him and he took him to places they'd never been before. If you remember, if you remember, God led them in the daytime with a pillar of a cloud. He led them at night with a pillar of what? Fire. If you've ever studied the wilderness, if you've ever studied the desert, and this, I'm just going to throw this in there because it's like a really cool fact. But in the daytime, it gets unbelievably blistering hot. And so what did God give them? A cloud by day. But then at night in the desert, it's really insane. But it goes the exact opposite. It gets bone chilling. And so what did God have at night? Fire. He kept them cool in the day and he kept them warm in the night. Say amen. Now, he took them in places where there was nothing. Wilderness means nothing. When you go to Israel with me, you're going to sing how, you're going to see how really nothing it is. There's nothing. There's rocks and little bitty twigs and sand. Nothing. He says, God lets you be hungry. You mean to tell me God, God allowed them to be hungry? That's exactly what it said. Let me, let me read it. Some of y'all, you, you, you didn't read that part. You just, you just, you just, you just, you just ignored it. Look what it says. Verse three, he humbled thee and suffered thee to, in other words, he allowed him to get hungry. And by the way, he allowed him to get thirsty too, but he was teaching them. He was teaching them. He was proving them. Now, now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to help you with something. He says in, in verse number two, he says in verse number two, watch this. He says, thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to prove thee. Here's what, he, here's what he's testing. To know what was in thine, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean God didn't, he was seeing, trying to figure them out? No, because he's, he's omniscient. He's all knowing. He knows everything. He knew what was in their heart. God is not testing them for him to know. He's testing them for them to know. Now watch this guy. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. You don't know what you are till you get in hot water. I know you think you're, you're, you're at a certain level of Christianity and a certain level of faith, but I'm going to tell you, you don't know what you really are or what you really have till you go through the fire. Till you go through a difficulty. 
Till you go through a wilderness. Till you go through a tragedy. Till you go through a hardship. Because what you are in those moments is what you are. And sometimes, sometimes God has to allow us to face a problem, to face a difficulty, to face a struggle so we can see we may not be where we think we are. Does that make sense? You see, God's pattern of testing. God's not as concerned with your comfort as he is your character. He cares about your character. He cares about your faith. He cares about your growth. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And here's the thing. A faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. Are y'all with me? So he said, I'm, I, I brought you through the wilderness to a two or one to test you, to test you. Number two, he taught them. He tested them and he taught you. That ye might know. He wanted them to know. But then look what it says. Verse five. Verse five. Thou also, thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. He not only tested them, he taught them and he trained them. Say, what's the difference between teaching and training? Teach is give information. Training is here's the information and you get a whooping if you don't do it. Training, training. Uh, Brother Travis is a really, really good dog trainer. And in, in the process of training, sometimes you have to impose discipline. The Bible says train up a child. It doesn't say raise a child. You raise hogs. It says train a child. And in the process of training, there's teaching. But in the process of training, there's also discipline. They have to learn where the line is. They have to learn what no means. I need a witness. And sometimes in order for them to understand what no means, it requires some pain to be involved in the process. And God allowed them to go through some pain to discipline them, not because he hated them, not because he was mad at them, not because he was angry, but because they were his children and he loved them and he wanted them to go the right way. So he imposed some pain. He imposed discipline to train them. To train them. And let me tell you something, you can go, you can go to town, you can go to any market, you can go to any mall and you can tell what child has training and what child don't. Just like you can go to a kennel and see what dog has been trained and what dog had, don't have a clue what's going on. And, and, and guess what, by the way, I'm going to just throw this in here for you parents or soon to be parents. Let me tell you the difference is how much time that person spent with that dog. Because training doesn't happen overnight. Training requires patience and requires time and diligence and more than anything, consistency. And I'm going to tell you something. There's something about the Lord. He's consistent. When uh, Steve, I see you. Is Brucey in here anywhere? Bruce, uh, 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 Byron's version. We got a buddy, we got a, 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 a coon hunting buddy, and I remember when I first moved to Coleman, he, he's going to take you to the side and he's going to teach you some things. And one of the things he, he said, the most important, the most important tool in training a coon hound is your leash. Your leash. Every time you go to the tree, you leash them right there so they learn that they are to stay right there. They're not supposed to wander up right there. Consistent. He said, do it every single time. He said, every time they do something wrong, correct them every single time. You gotta be consistent. And he, God is consistent with the nation of Israel. He said, you need to remember that God, we're talking about his pattern. How did God operate with his people? He, he 
He taught them, right? He, he tested them. He trained them. He said, not because he's mad, but just as a father would his child, that's how God is going to treat you. Now, what do we take from that? What do we take from that? You may be going through the fire right now and God may be chastening you. God may be chastening you. Chastening only comes because of disobedience. Now, there are times, there are times when, when there is, we're going through the wilderness because he's wanting to teach you something, not because we've done something wrong. You say, preacher, how do I know, how do I know if it's chastening or if it's teaching? It's easy. It's easy. This is a no brainer. Because if it's chastening, did anybody ever, and, and I, I don't want to say this, but I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure nobody in this room ever got a whooping and you had no idea why you got it. Do I have a witness? I'm, I can look back and I'm pretty sure I can, yeah, I know what is happening. Now you say, well, my dad used to whoop us for nothing. Yeah, but your heavenly father wouldn't ever do that. And most of the time, not a hundred percent of the time, if you're getting, you're being chastened, you know what you did because he already told you not to do it before you did it. Amen. And so God's getting them ready. God is spending 40 years in the wilderness so they will actually make it this time. Let's try this again. All right. Now watch this. So basically we can say it's 40 years of schooling. 40 years of training. 40 years of getting. Think about this. Think about this. God was going to give them so much and they were going to be blessed so much. He had to prepare them to get it. Now watch this. This is cool. In the pattern that we see and how God taught them and trained them <clears throat> and tested them. Fourthly, I want you to see, or D, I want you to see his purpose. Why did he do all that? Why did he allow them to be tested? Why did he allow them to be hungry? Why did he allow them to be thirsty? Why did he allow them to struggle? Watch this here. Verse two, thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to, come on, to humble thee, to humble thee. Now look at verse number three. And he, come on everybody, and he, so two times we see this word. I mean, back to back, bam, bam. He humbled thee. Now, I looked up the word humble. It means, it means to render meek and submissive. To remove what? Pride. To remove what goes before a fall. Why did Satan fall? Hello. Preacher, why did he allow them to get hungry? Why did he allow them to suffer? Why did he allow them to go through? Because he was removing their pride. Boy, this is big. I'm telling you, this is big. He humbled them. He used the sun. He used the wilderness. He used the struggle. He used the difficulty. He used the hardship. He used the pain to take away their pride, to remove their self-sufficiency, to remove their self-confidence, to remove pride. You say, what is pride? I had to look that up too. Pride, excessive self-esteem. An unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority in talents, beauty, wealth, accomplishments, rank, or elevation in office, which manifests itself in lofty airs, distance, reserve, and often in contempt of others. Let me read that again. Just the first part. Excessive self-esteem. An unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority in talents, beauty, wealth, accomplishments, rank, or elevation in office. Romans 12, verse 3. 
Romans 12, verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more than he. There is nothing as devastating to a minister or ministry or servant of God than pride. The problem with pride is usually everybody knows it before you do. He humbled thee. So why has God put me through this? You might be thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Let me give you a hint. Let me, let me give you a hint. If you're very easily offended, if, if you're very easily offended, you may be thinking more highly than you ought to think. Charles, I believe it was Charles Spurgeon that said this. I'm pretty sure he's the one that said this because somebody, there was a young minister complaining to him saying people were talking about him and, and criticizing him and talking about him. He said, son, don't you worry about that because you're way worse than what they even think. <laughs> you know, when we get our feelings hurt, we're thinking more highly than we ought to think. We think, well, I don't deserve. Oh, no, think about that. Think about what we really deserve. Pride will build up. If you're constantly being offended, if your feelings are constantly being hurt, if you've constantly got a problem with somebody, you might need to back up and think, you know, I might be thinking a little more highly of myself than I ought to be thinking. God took, sent them through that to remove their pride. Then, then watch this. This is so good. This is so good. Look at this next part. Verse number, verse number three. Why did he allow them to get hungry? He said, he humbled thee, verse three, and suffered thee, means you, he allowed it. He suffered thee to hunger, and then he fed thee with Where'd the manna come from? Say it again. From God. He allowed them to go what? Hungry or without. He allowed them to experience lack in the wilderness. Now, what did we say was happening in the wilderness? What do we call that? Training or school. So part of the schooling, part of the training, part of the teaching is he allowed them to experience lack, not having enough. He allowed them to go hungry or without. And when he allowed them to go without, then he supplied the need. Watch this. It says, first, he allowed them to lack. He allowed them to go hungry. And then it says, after he suffered thee to hunger, what did he do? He fed thee. Okay. He allowed, watch this. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. He allowed them to use up everything they had in their supply that the world provided. Now, everything this world had given them up until this point is gone. And they had nothing. They had no supply. They had no fulfillment. They are, they have nothing. And then God says, here you go. And he fed them manna from heaven. Ain't nothing like getting it straight from the bakery of glory. Now watch, watch. There's a reason. There's a reason that he let them come to the end of themselves. That he might make them know. He's wanting them to know something. He let them go hungry. He let them come to an end of themselves, an end of their ability, an end of their supply, an end of their resources. They have nothing. And then he said, here, I'm giving you this because I want you to know something. I want you to know something. What is it? What does he want them to know? 
that man does not live by bread only, but by every that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Preacher, what are you saying? He's wanting them to know that I am the source. I am the source of your fulfillment. I am the source of your happiness. I am the source. I'm the one going to take care of you. I don't want you to depend on your 401k. I don't want you to depend on your boss. I don't want you to depend on that company you work for. You know, if it all goes to hell in a handbasket, I am still going to take care of you. If you end up in a desert with nothing, if God's will leads you to a place where there is no thing, nothing there, he still has the ability to set a plate before you in the presence of your enemies. He allowed them to go hungry so he could supply the need so they would know and understand that God is your source. God is your supply. God is the one that's going to take care of you. That's why you don't need to be worrying about the economy. You don't need to be worrying about all these things going on. It's going to get bad and it's probably going to get worse. But God is still on the throne. He still supplies every need that we have. I've been young. He said, the psalmist said, I've been, I am old and I have been young. Yet have I seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Say amen. How 11 minutes. Okay, we hurry. We're hurrying. What, what, what was the point? What was the point of this lesson? What was the point of going through the wilderness? What was the point of letting them go hungry and then supplying the need? Number two, he, first of all, he was removing their pride. Then second of all, he was teaching them dependence. Why is that? Because they're fixing to go into a land with everything. They're fixing to go into a land with all of their needs supplied where they had everything they ever wanted. But even so, he was still the source. Does this make sense? Good. It's only got 10 minutes to give you rest. Watch what it says. Watch what it says. Second Corinthians. Look at the bottom of your notes. Second Corinthians 1.8. <clears throat> For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even. In other words, Paul said life had got so hard, we thought we were going to die. Why in the world would God allow one of his faithful men who was serving him in such a way to go through such hell on earth? Watch what he says. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Let's all read. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God. Why is God allowing me to go through this? Because he wants you to learn to depend on him. Depend on him. Oh, boy. I think we can do it. Let's look at man. What's the first word of verse six? In other words, because of all you just heard, because of everything we just learned, therefore, thou, we're talking to man now. All that was about God. Now we're going to focus on man. Therefore, thou, mankind, humanity, shall keep the commandments of the Lord, thy God, to walk in his ways and to fear him. Let's go fast. First of all, here's the plan. Here's the plan for prosperity. Write that down. Verse six, here's God's plan. Here's what he wants out of you. First of all, obey his law. Obey them principles. It's simple. Do you, do you remember, do you remember what he told Joshua? You remember what he told Joshua and, 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 and right before Joshua goes into the promised land? He said, I want you to get that word. I want you to get the law. Don't turn left. Don't turn right. I want you to read it. I want you to study it. I want you to learn it. I want you to obey it because when you do this, you will have success. Then this is King James. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. All right, so he wants us to obey the law. 
Then he wants to follow his leading. He said, keep the commandments. Then he said, walk in his ways. You say, what's the difference between keeping the commandments and walking in his ways? Very simple. Keeping the commandments means I study God's word. And if there's a thou shalt, I do it. If there's a thou shalt not, I don't do it. But then I pray and I ask for God's will for my life. God, do you want me to be a plumber? Do you want me to be a painter? Do you want me to be a preacher? You with me? Then I get up every morning and I pray for Bob. I pray for boldness. Or excuse me, a burden. Pray for an opportunity. And I pray for boldness. I pray, God, give me who I need to witness to. God will lead me by the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? That's what it means. That's what it means to walk in his ways. We obey the word, the commands. Then we follow his direction and his guidance as he lead us. Do I, do I, uh, listen, we, I don't have to explain this. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know what it means to follow his will. Uh, buy somebody's lunch if he tells you to do it. Call somebody and encourage them. Go visit somebody in the hospital. Whatever it is, is God leading you be obedient. Does that make sense? Then watch this. Watch this. Here's what God wants us to do. His plan for us is obey his law, follow his leading, and reverence his lordship. We need to get back to fear in God. We're living in a nation that absolutely does not fear God. Well, they don't even believe there's a God. But the problem is we got too many professing Christians that don't fear God. And you can tell by the way they're leading and they're living. Watch what he said he'd do. See the plan for prosperity, then the promise of prosperity. Verses 7 through 9. He says this. He says, For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains of depths that spring out of valleys and hills. Now this don't mean that much to you because you can go to your refrigerator and get a bottle of water. But when you're in the desert, and God is promising you springs and rivers and, and, and are y'all with me? That means a whole lot, especially from a culture that's mainly agriculture. Amen. He says, I'm going to give you that then. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind, they've just been eating manna. All right. God's thrown some quail in there, but he, they've been eating manna primarily. That's all they had every day, 40 years. But watch what he says. This land I'm, I'm letting you go in is a land of wheat and of barley and vines. Talking about grapes and, 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 and all that. Uh, muscadines, all that stuff. Fig trees, pomegranates, a land of old olive and, woo, say man. Then he says this, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack, thou shalt not lack anything in it a land whose stones are iron out of whose hills thou mayest uh, dig brass you see God's promised a great supply a great supply and guaranteed satisfaction he said you're not going to lack anything you say but that's the Old Testament did Paul not say but my God shall supply shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Amen? Now watch this. The purpose of prosperity. The purpose of prosperity. Why is God going to prosper you? Why is God going to bless you? You obey him. You submit to his leadership. You reverence his lordship. You worship him, you reverence him, you're in awe of him, you fear him, you live and operate your life in the fear of God, then he's going to supply and he's going to fulfill and he's going to satisfy you. Now, why is he going to do that? Verse 10. Verse 10, here's the purpose of prosperity. It ain't so you can brag about your new Mercedes. It ain't so you can go around and say, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I've never been that blessed, by the way. I stay stressed all the time. That's not, that's not, that's not the purpose of God's blessings on your life. What's the purpose of God's blessings on your life? Look at verse 10. Read it with me. When thou hast eaten and art, then thou shalt. All right, I want you to write these three things down. 
Here's the purpose of prosperity. First of all, he wants you to rejoice for receiving it. Say, where do you get rejoice from? Well, you could use the word enjoy. But I use R because I was alliterating it. Why does God bless you? Because he wants you to enjoy it. God's given you everything to enjoy. Scripture says that. All things are from him to enjoy. That'd be like giving a gift to your kid. But you don't want them to play with it. I'm going to buy you a brand new bicycle and it's going to be shiny. It's going to be just what you wanted, but you can't ride it. That's stupid. God blesses you so you can enjoy it. Rejoice. Enjoy it. You say, where do you get that from? I get that word from the word fool. When thou hast eaten and art. I don't know about y'all, but when I get full, I rejoice. It makes me happy. Hello. He didn't say eat just a little. He said, eat till you are. Say amen. Rejoice. Enjoy the blessings of God. Enjoy the land that God has given you. Why? Why? Because when you rejoice, then he says, I want you to remember where it came from. I want you to remember where it came from. But then, then, and it's it's there, it's there. I'm trying to hurry because I'm running out of time. Remember where it came from. Say it with me. And then you return praise for it. Watch what he says. Watch what he says. Verse number 10. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt, come on, then thou shalt, Bless the Lord thy God for the good land which thou hast given thee. What do you do? You return praise. When you have, when you've been blessed by God, you enjoy that blessing. Enjoy the fire out of it. Don't be, don't feel guilty over it. Don't feel guilty because somebody else ain't got it. They ain't got it because God didn't give it to them. God gave it to you to enjoy, so enjoy it. And if somebody says, well, it must be nice, just say it is. And then remember where you got it. Remember who gave it to you. Remember who gave you the energy to do the work, to buy the, pay the bills, to buy it. Remember who gave you the skills. Remember who gave you the strength. Remember who gave you the knowledge. Remember where it came from. And then it says to worship. Return praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I was thanking him today for that medium piece that it cost six dollars that my wife brought me today. Every piece except one. And I'm gonna get that in just a minute. And then I'm gonna rejoice. Y'all with me? He said, I want you to remember, and then I want you to praise. I want you to worship. I want you to bless God. This is so important. We need to praise him. We need to bless him. Now watch this. Here's the peril. This is why this is so important. This is why worship is so important. This is why uh, uh, gathering together and, and, and giving our praise and glory and honor to him and worship him. Bless him. Because if you don't, if you don't worship, if you don't bless him, You're going to forget. Verse 11. What's that first word? Come on, everybody. I'm almost there. See, I'm in the red because y'all ain't going fast enough. Verse 11. Beware that thou what? Forget not the Lord thy God. He says, in in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes. Lest when thou hast eaten and art and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, 
When thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied. Watch this now. Then thine heart be lifted. You know what that means? You know what that means? You know what word that's talking about? Pride. In other words, I spent 40 years getting that nasty out of you. Removing the pride from you. Teaching you to to depend on me. Teaching you to remember where your blessings come from. Remember that I am the source. I am the one that gives you what you have. I am the one that blesses you with everything that you have. But there's going to be a great danger that when I've blessed you with blessings that you cannot even receive and you're sitting in those nice houses and you're eating those fine dinners and you get back and you get fat and sassy, then you're going to forget where it came from because you're going to forget to praise me. You're going to forget to worship me. You're going to forget to make me a priority. And when you forget me, then you're going to be lifted up in. Watch. When you get lifted up in pride, Watch what it says. You're going to forget the Lord that brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought. There was no water who who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy ladder. In other words, the only reason he tested you so he could do good for you. Now watch this. Verses, the first sentence of verse 14 and 17 go together. And thou shalt say in thine heart, my power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. Man, that is the epitome of pride. I'm a self-made man. That's a lie. Nobody's a self-made man. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he, say it with me, for it is he that you giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers that it is this day. He did it so he could keep his word. He didn't do it because you deserved it. He did it because he said he would do it. Say amen. Watch this now. And it shall be. And it shall be, if thou do it all, forget the Lord thy God and walk after. You remember I said I started this whole thing dealing with idolatry. And how we got so many idols in America. He said, if you forget me and walk after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely Now watch this. Here's the peril in prosperity. First of all, we fail to worship. We fail to give him the glory he deserves. We stop praying. We stop thanking. We stop stop being grateful. And by the way, that ties right into Romans chapter number one that we'll jump back into next or this coming Sunday. What's the fair, what's the peril in prosperity? Well, we get so satisfied and we get so full and we get everything we need. We forget where it comes from. We, because we fail to worship him, we forget his works. What was the first thing he said in, in verse number, verse number 14? Then thy heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt whom, from the house of bondage. You know what he said? You're going to forget where you come from. When you stop praising God and you stop worshiping and you stop giving him glory, you stop being thankful for what he's done for you. You're going to forget that you was in a hole. You was in a pit. Like the psalmist said, you were crying unto the Lord and he heard your cry and he came and brought you up also out of that horrible pit, out of that miry clay. You forget that you was a sinner. You forget that you couldn't save yourself. You're going to forget where God brought you from. 
You're going to forget all the things that he protected you from in the wilderness, from, from the serpents and from the scorpions. And you're going to forget that he kept you warm at night and kept you cool in the day. You're going to forget that he gave you water out of a rock when you got thirsty. You're going to forget that he paid you bills when nobody else could. You're going to forget that he gave you manna from heaven and fed you when there was nothing there. You're going to forget that he walked in when everybody else walked out. You're going to forget his works. And when you forget his works, here's the next thing that happens. It's just a chronological order. We fail to worship. It'll cause us to forget his works. And then we forsake his way. Look what it says. Verse number 11. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. You know, you, you, you don't, you don't, you're not faithful to church. And then the very next Sunday, you're, you're a sot drunk sitting in a bar somewhere. No, you, you don't, forsake, you don't forsake his way overnight. You just stop praying. You stop attending Wednesday night. You stop every, instead of going every Sunday as every other Sunday. You stop praying over your food. You stop giving him thanks for his blessings on you. And then before long, you're completely out. Before long, you're doing things you would never dream that you'd be doing. And it started when you stopped giving him praise. Now, let me read this last proclamation. Psalms 33, 12. Read it with me. Psalms 33, 12. Blessed is it. Come on, everybody. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Let's say it again. Psalms 9, 17. Let's read it. The wicked. Say it with me. Come on, everybody. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the... President Lincoln wrote the proclamation for a national day of fasting and prayer. And this is what he said in it. He says, and whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions and humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon. And to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history, this is, this is Psalm 33, 12, that those nations only are blessed who's what? We've forgotten that in America. And insomuch as we know that by His divine law, nations like individuals are subjected to punishments and chastisements in this world. May we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war, which now desolates the land, may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins. To the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people, we have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers and wealth and power as no other nation has ever grown, but... Everybody say it. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. That's that pride we were talking about. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace too proud to pray to the God that made us. Preacher, you said this had to do with America. You can't see it? How many, how many of y'all believe America was blessed by the hand of God? From sea to shining sea. But I'm going to have to agree with President Lincoln. We've forgotten God. And we are experiencing what God said would happen when a nation 
forgets God. 